My name's Katie, and I get to read um, out of Luke today. We're going to continue in Luke 14, chap- uh, verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus implied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring, of the town, sorry, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Good morning, it's so good to be with you. Uh, my name is Tim, I'm the lead pastor uh, here at Mosaic, and this is Kim, she's also one of our pastors here, and we get to, uh, we get to team teach together today. Yay. <laughs> yes, that's a good start, that's a, good, that's a great start. Hey, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's such a great, great morning. I, uh, uh, Phil, Phil mentioned, thanks for leading uh, all of you that are leading us from up here and those that are leading from back there. Um, and for those of you that are at home, I'm not sure what camera I'm, I'm supposed to be looking at, but it's, it's good to be with you uh, in this way. If you're watching right now with us in the moment or, or catching up later, um, Phil mentioned something that's, that's going on in, of all places, Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky is a state in the United States, if you didn't, didn't know that, okay. Um, and uh, there's a, just a movement of God going on on a college campus. And if you haven't checked it out or read anything about it, I encourage you to. Um, it's one of those moments where something's happening, we're not quite sure what, and it's very clear that it is not uh, human planned or orchestrated or maintained, um, but that God is showing up in a new way. And there are uh, questions on both sides, like, isn't this, isn't this great? And we've been praying for this for a long time to the other extreme of uh, this is not good and should stop or it's weird um, and everything in between. And uh, uh, I think it's, it's something that we as followers of Jesus have uh, anticipated, prayed for, and longed for is that God would show up in ways that we cannot 
manage or control. And uh, we know that our world needs more of God and the Holy Spirit to break in in new ways, and we think we're seeing some of it. So um, it's if you don't know anything about that, uh, uh, go on to, uh, online and, and, and check it out a little bit. But uh, one of the things that, as I read about it, I think is, uh, wow, we need that here. I need that in my own life. We need that in our church, in our city, at this part of the world here um, as we as we look around us, we know that there is a need for God to show up and work in new ways. And so, wow, would that start with me inside of you, inside of us, and then spread from there, which is the actually very thing that we're going to be looking at today in scripture and have been as we've been working our way through, through the book of Luke. So I'm going to pray for us and then, and then we're going to jump in. Let's pray. God, you are holy and other, and there is none like you. And in moments like this, when we gather and we stand and we sing and we listen to your word and we declare that you are here with us, may you remind us gently and strongly and clearly that there is no one like you, that you are completely mm -hmm. holy and righteous and other. And would we, as your creation, as your daughters and sons, would we worship you and declare you as good and as just and as merciful and as loving. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place to do what only you can do, and that's in to soften our hearts, to awaken our minds, to invite us and to convict us into being more like you. And so would you do that work right now in this moment, in this space, in this time, in each and every one of us, meet us exactly where we are and invite us and move us forward to become more like you. And Jesus, as we sang earlier, you are a king. Mm -hmm. You are not just a person in history. Mm -hmm. You are not just someone that we read about on pages of a Bible or on a screen, but you are alive and you are working and moving among us. And so, Jesus, we declare you as king in this place and in this time. Would you be more of that in our lives and would mm -hmm. we be available to you to rule and to reign in each one of our lives? And so, Jesus, we invite you through your word and through your truth to teach us this morning and to guide us and to divide us forward. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, well, good morning. It's so good to be here. I am excited to open up God's word with you. I have just been learning so much, and I, I just wanted to take a minute before we jump into that to just brag on my husband a little bit, if that's okay with you. Okay, I see a couple nods, some people who know him and really like him. So um, he started working in the fall at a upscale restaurant downtown. And it's kind of like the restaurant that all the famous people go to when they are in Portland for their visits. And so we have had this like fun experience as a family on the weekends as he's come home after he works a really late shift on Friday night and then Saturday mornings we rally together for a late brunch and that he also usually cooks. So that's part of bragging on him, part of appreciate, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really grateful, but um, one of the things that happens is that he tells us, um, guess who came in last night? You guys aren't gonna believe who came in. Guess who I got to serve last night? And it's always like some famous athlete, politician, singer, rapper, uh, all, ki all kinds of famous people. And we just, you can feel it in our family. We just, ooh, ooh, who came in? Who did you get to serve? And he'll drop the name and we're just like, oh, what? Really? And then it's, you know, were they nice? Were they, did they tip? The, the <laughs> important. <laughs> 
It's so fun. It's such a fun experience for our family in this season. And one of the things that I have been observing in that is that in my family, we have like something, someone that we think is important, someone that we lean into of who is this person? They're special. They're famous. I want to know more. And almost like, um, what, um, tell us everything so that we can just know about them. You can just feel that. And I, I don't know, you might have somebody, you might think like you might be a, a, a big sports fan or um, really into music and, and just imagine if you're, or if your favorite movie star came into the place that you were, what would you do, right? Our human nature is to go, who's important? Who's significant? Well, one of the things that we're gonna see today is that for Jesus, he's not geared in the way that we are. He's actually geared completely different than us. He is geared to see everyone. That is not who we are, is it? There's so many people that don't make it into the who are they. They don't make it into our line of sight. But for Jesus, Jesus sees everyone. And part of what is mission critical for Jesus is that not only he sees them, but that he wants them to be his. He wants to give his life to them. It's mission critical to Jesus that everyone out there knows that he is for them, that he is inviting them to life, that he is inviting them to love, and that he is inviting them to follow him. There's another thing about this that's really about us. And that's that we don't see that, do we? There's something that gets in our way. Jesus is, what we just saw in scripture, is he is for the outsider. He is for the misfit. He is for the poor. He is for the crippled. It's not people who normally make it into our line of sight into what, who we see and who we lean into. So there's something that we're going to see today. We're going to see what is mission critical to Jesus, that he is for everyone and that there is something that gets in our way of joining him in that mission. And as you heard the scripture read before, the way that this happens is in this part of scripture, at this part of Luke, is, is at a dinner party. Common thing, a, a feast, uh, a banquet. It's at a dinner party that uh, Jesus has a captive audience. And so what we're going to see is, is Jesus, with, with a whole dinner party that, that somebody else invited him to, and he actually kind of gets set up here, um, but he gets invited to this dinner party, and it's through uh, advice that he gives to, to the host. So he pulls the host aside and says, hey, I need to give you some feedback on how you're hosting this particular dinner party. He does that, and then the next thing he does is he turns to all the guests and he tells a story. He tells a story. And so through this advice to the guest and through this story, we're gonna see exactly what Kim just said. What is, what is mission critical for Jesus? Jesus cares about everyone. He sees people that we miss. And there's something that gets in our way that inhibits us from actually joining Jesus and caring about all people. If you've got a Bible, find your way to Luke chapter 14. What we heard read was verses 12 through 24. I want to back up and read just one verse earlier than that, uh, verse 1 of chapter 14. So, uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 1 says this. 
One Sabbath, that's Saturday for them, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. And so again, what, uh, what's happening here is that Jesus is, is being set up. Let me, let me step back for a moment here. If you've been with us as we've moved through the book of Luke, we're now in chapter 14, there's 24 chapters. We've been walking through this story of uh, this telling of the life uh, and mission of Jesus. And over the last couple weeks, over the last couple chapters as we've moved through, there's this kind of rolling themes that keep repeating over and over and over again. And there's this growing sense of, of urgency on Jesus's part. What's happening in the story of Jesus, Jesus is an adult, he's uh, roughly 30 years old, he's called disciples, they've followed him. Uh, he's now going and he's moving about and he's going from town to town, to village to village, to city to city, and he's doing the same thing over and over. He's teaching, he's telling stories, and then he's healing people. He's healing people of, of being possessed by, by demons. He's healing people from not being able to see, not being able to walk, uh, uh, crippled in all sorts of different ways and ill and, and sick. And Jesus is doing all of this and he's gaining a following. And the religious leaders, the people that have influence that Jesus is kind of creeping in on their influence, they're not big fans of Jesus. He hasn't gone through their same training. He hasn't played by their same rules. And they don't like that he's gaining traction with the people that they have influence and power over. And so one prominent Pharisee says, okay, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna invite him over and I'm gonna set him up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trick him. And then we're gonna, I don't know, uh, imprison him or kick him out and make him leave or something. They're gonna gain some power over Jesus by setting him up. And so, so Jesus shows up to this dinner. And the, the first thing he does, and this is again, it just he, this is now the fourth time, the fourth time in the book of Luke that Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath, which, which man, if, I mean, if we kind of think Sabbath, a day of rest, for many of us, this is a, a, a day of rest, like Sunday, we don't, you know, some, most of us don't work and it's kind of set aside. So let's use Sunday instead of their Saturday. And then Sunday is kind of a day of rest. And wouldn't this be the perfect time to see somebody healed? Like if we could pray for somebody and, and God shows up and heals them, we would all, we would just celebrate. That would be fantastic. Not so for these Pharisees. They're like, on the Sabbath day, we don't, we follow all these rules and we don't want people healed. In fact, we looked at a story last week where the guy stood up and he said, hey, you guys, if you need to be healed, come Sunday through Friday, but not Saturday. Like just the weirdest, oddest thing. Jesus does this again, the very next chapter. That was chapter 13. Now verse chapter 14, Jesus is healing a guy. And the next verses, we're not gonna read them all. He heals a guy at this dinner party in the home of a Pharisee. I mean, what, what would that scene look like? Yeah, yes, last week, last Sabbath, you didn't want me to heal anyone. How about this time? And then like, boo, and like heals somebody and like looks at the host. What do, you, what do you think? Like Jesus just messing with him. He's like, I don't care that you're setting me up. I'm gonna step right into this. And then he turns around and he talks to him about humility. So he's healed somebody. He talks to him about humility. And then he turns to the host and he says, let me, let me give you some feedback on how to, how to do this whole hosting thing. Verse 12, listen to this. Then Jesus said to the host, his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they, might, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid 
at the resurrection of the righteous. Hmm. Awkward. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I love to host. I love to have people over to our house. My husband and I have a great time. We, we love to, uh, we don't love to clean the house, but we love having a clean house. And then we love making a special meal and bringing friends in and just giving them a great experience of the evening. I've been to some of your houses, so I know that you're like that too. Um, and I, I'm imagining if I was the host of this party, and, and Jesus turned to me and started to kind of um, to tell me what I'm doing wrong, what I've done wrong in that, that that could feel, I might feel pretty defensive. I might feel like, hey, this, is, this is my party. <laughs> what are you doing? But what, what we actually see here is that Jesus isn't actually giving an etiquette lesson. He's not actually saying, this is the type of party I want you to have. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, I want your whole life to be geared a certain way. I want your life to be geared a certain way. It's not about this meal. It's not about what's going on here and who's actually here. It's actually about, um, it's actually about how our lives align with his mission. What is mission critical to Jesus, who he sees that he's for everyone. And what he's doing here is he is saying, do you see the people that I see? Are you for what I am for? And what he's doing is he's exposing their hearts. He's exposing their hearts. Jesus is more concerned about what is happening internally than externally. And what he's doing here with this question with them is he is saying to them, what are your motives? What are your values? And in that question, what we get to experience is stepping into the story and saying, what are our motives? What are our values? Do they line up with Jesus? Do they line up with Jesus's? Jesus is asking this about the host. He's saying, here's what I want you to do. But he's also calling us out here. It would have been more, see what I mean? It would have been more comfortable if it was an etiquette lesson. But when it's really the mic drop moment of Jesus cares about my heart and how that's geared. Do I care about the things that Jesus cares about? Am I more concerned about getting repaid? Am I more concerned about what this party, what my whole life looks like, or am I concerned about his mission? Last week, we asked a question, um, whose kingdom am I building? Do you remember that? Am I, whose kingdom am I building? Am I building my kingdom, or am I building Jesus's kingdom? One of the things that um, scripture does, that the Bible does, is it, is it constantly, uh, if we read it, is it, is it constantly recalibrates our understanding of Jesus and it recalibrates where we are and who we are. It's, it's helpful that it's through a, a story. It's, it's through somebody else's experience. But what this is, is our opportunity, our invitation to actually go, where am I in this? So again, as Kim said, it's not about it's not about a luncheon or a dinner. It's not about a banquet or a feast. It's not about etiquette on how you host people in your home. That's not what it's about. It's, it's revealing this, this host, this prominent Pharisee's 
motives. And so we have a chance to question our motives. And so as Kim and I were studying this and, and preparing, we, uh, we just stopped and said, what, what if we were to, to look at our own motives and then, and then share, what are our motives that we feel God's inviting us to recalibrate where they're off and he's in, inviting us to, to calibrate them more towards what Jesus really cares about. And so uh, uh, we, we, we flipped a coin and Kim's gonna go first. We didn't really, um, but uh, we, we decided ladies yeah. first. And so, yeah, ladies first. first. Yeah. But we did. We spent some time thinking about mm-hmm. what are our motives that are, are not maybe aligned and compete with Jesus's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been um, actually just really a profound experience for me as I'm looking at the season in my life and what is the kingdom, that question, what is, what is the kingdom? Am I about your mission, Jesus? And one of the things when I, when I think about what are my motives, what are my values that is competing with God's kingdom is that I really value security. And what that security can look, it can look, it can show up in all kinds of ways for me. Um, it can show up a lot in self-nurture. One of the things that I often um, kind of hold my, my grip on is that I need to take care of myself. If I take care of myself, no one else is going to take care of me, so I need to do that. And um, that can look like comfort. It can look like um, really um, owning my time. What am I going to do with my time? What am I going to do? I I had a hard day of work. I'm going to go home and I'm going to do this, this, and this to kind of self, you know, self-soothe in a way. Does that, are you guys picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah, no, nobody here can relate with this, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, that's for me a big one, security. um, It can also look like for me um, even adventure and, and friendships, like what, what is the fun I'm going to have in life? That's something I think about a lot. I, I don't know. I'm probably really unique here, but um, I don't really like conflict very much. So part of not, part of not liking conflict is um, that I can avoid it. I can avoid hard things and just want to like self-soothe, have fun, look at the bright side. Those are all really a deep, um, a deep rooted in my heart, a deep rooted uh, grasp on security and owning my own security. Um, I, I started with like what's kind of when my when my brain turns on in the morning, like what are some, some first things that come to mind for me? And one of the things is uh, how, to, how to maximize this, this day, this moment, um, and, and get the most of it, and, and in a sense of not wasting any of it. And um, that might sound like it's a, a fantastic thing at, at first glance, but I, as I began to think down that road just in, in, in my mind and through my day is, is what, it, what it does is it, it makes anything that I experience as an inconvenience um, to, I really don't like that because I, I have this, this is what I, I want to have happen and how I want my day to go. Um, and anything that is distracting of, of my energy or focus or any of those kinds of things. And, uh, and I, I got to, to the place of realizing like I, I have a, a high value and desire, and one of my driving motives is control. And I, I want to control things. Um, and it might start at a place that sounds okay or even good, but it gets to a place that is very, very selfish and, 
internally focused and not eternally focused. And um, there you go. So Kim has four more that she's going to share. <laughs> but really, you just said something that you hadn't said before, that internally focused and not eternally focused. I love that. Well, and it's because of the, the why behind it. If, 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 we, if we actually take a moment and go, what are, the, what are my motives? And, and again, the things that Kim and I just, just shared are not in and of themselves like negative, are they? Like you said security, comfort, those kind of things. Even the way that you, know, you self-soothe, think about adventure, in and of themselves, those are not bad things. Wanting to maximize time and energy is not in and of itself a bad thing. It's when it becomes for our own need. And what Jesus is talking about to this Pharisee and to us is what are the motives behind why you do things? If you invite people over so that you could get repaid, so that you could gain influence and somehow benefit yourself, evaluate that, ask yourself, reflect on that. And Jesus is saying, instead of doing that for you, do it for someone maybe that's not even ever seen. And again, he's not talking explicitly about hosting a dinner party. He's talking about who do we see when we, when we look out into the world. And we know that there are people that are off the main focus of our grid that don't get to go to high-end restaurants and that people talk about, oh, if I could just meet them, that there are people outside of our view of who we normally see that are the outsider, that Jesus lists them as the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. Mm-hmm. He says, I care about everyone, even those who you don't see and maybe don't think are very important. And I want everyone to know about me. And he attaches it to eternity. And he says, you'll be blessed at the resurrection or the, the um, repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus is saying, have an eternal perspective about this moment right now. And you can feel as we're reading through the book of Luke, his, his sense of urgency is rising because he wants all people to know who he is and the kingdom that he is bringing. And so there is an eternal perspective. It's so important that Jesus basically says, let's go a, with the same thing, but a lever deeper. You just heard the first thing that prevents us, that slows us down, that gets in the way of us joining Jesus. And that's at times our own motives. And then he goes a level deeper in the next verses. He says this in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So it's a guy at the table overhears Jesus' conversation with the host. And he's like, right on, Jesus. There's going to be an eternal banquet, right? And blessed are all the ones that get to be there. And Jesus, Jesus hears that. And this is how he responds with the story for the whole table to hear. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, Uh, I just got married, so I can't come. I think this is, I think Jesus is being a little actually funny in how he's calling people out here and how he's exposing their hearts. I just, just think about these excuses. They are so weak. Are they not weak? They're so weak. Uh, I can't, I can't come to your great party. I can't come to this really important thing that you're doing because I bought some property, but I haven't seen it. Who buys property that they haven't seen, right? 
who's really right at that time needs to go check out this property? And, and oxen? Would you buy at that time oxen for whatever work you needed them to do and then not have looked at them? Right at that time, right at the time of this feast, this banquet, this party, you have to go tend to this oxen. And, and, and just getting married, like, you're telling me that you wouldn't be all about a free, part, a free meal? And a part, no, like these, these excuses, like we, we look at these and we can go, oh, Jesus is like, there's, he's revealing how weak the excuses are here. <sighs> the thing is though, ours aren't so far off from those, are they? Uh, we might not be buying uh, fields, we might not be buying oxen, but what are we really talking about? We're talking about, we're talking about material things. We're talking about tending to material things. We're talking about property. We're talking about um, work. We're talking about relationships here. And I bet every one of us here, if we just sit and look at our hearts and give the spirit access to it, we can identify at least one of those that keeps us from being with Jesus in what is mission critical to him, to seeing people, to seeing what he wants, to being about the outsider, the misfit, the crippled, the lame, the broken, the needy. I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days. What are, what are our excuses? What are, what are the things that keep us? And um, in that, I have just come to the word um, seduction. That's, like, that's a pretty intense word, right, and seduction. But one of the things that I can see culturally for us and that I get primarily because I experience it myself is that the world is competing for our attention all the time. It is trying to woo us to its ways and it looks pretty. I was on Instagram yesterday and I saw what my house should look like, um, what workout plan would be awesome for me to start, um, I, a great restaurant, I saw um, cute outfits, I saw all kinds of things and it was like in 10 minutes. It was like in 10 minutes, it was like, this, this, come look at this, come see this, this is pretty. This, this should take your time, this should take your attention, this should take your focus. Independently, those things aren't, aren't wrong, right? They're not bad things. But it's so easy for them to get in the way of the main thing, of Jesus. Um, my friend Chris Salter shared a couple weeks ago at our Assessing the Heart workshop, he shared one of the ways that he actually tests his heart and creates space for the spirit is by actually paying attention to what he's looking at and what he's listening to. And when he does that, he's able to go, oh, this is, this is what's wooing me. This is what's persuading me. This is what's seducing me. The whole world that... The whole world outside of Jesus is competing for Jesus. It's competing for your heart. It's competing for my heart. It's competing for my time. It's competing for my energy. It's competing for my resources. 
And what all of that points to is actually not that those things are bad, but that they just get out of order for us, don't they? That what Jesus is talking about here is he's pointing out not that oxen are bad, not that marriage. We know that Jesus is for these things, right? He made them. He made them. He made us to work. He, he made fields. He made relationships. He made marriage. What, he, what he's saying is it's out of order in priorities. You have a disordered heart. You have disordered attentions and affections right now. And why does that matter? Why does, why does a disordered heart matter? Because it keeps us from what is mission critical to Jesus. It keeps us from seeing who he is for, and it keeps us from joining us in that mission of being for everyone. Um, listen to what Jesus says here. So he's just, he's just told this story. He's just really doubled down on this. He's told now two stories, and he's doubling down. So people have said their excuses, field, I can't come, I can't come to your party, I've got this, this, and this to do. So it says, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has already been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Jesus, again, he uses that same list. Poor, crippled, um, lame, blind. Those that are misfits that don't fit in, that, that slide off of our view or that when we do see them, uh, we're actually repelled versus drawn, drawn to them. Uh, and Jesus is, is saying and inviting us to join him in what he sees and what he cares about, to more align with what he is doing in this world. And the thing that prevents us from doing that, the things that gets in the way is our motives, our wants, our desires, where our hearts are not calibrated to his heart. Um, when it's disordered. And so we have this opportunity to say, how is it that we assess and evaluate and check our own hearts, our own things, and where good desires are put in their proper place and don't become ultimate desires or ultimate drivers for the, the motives in our life. And there's no easy, quick, simple way to do this, uh, but there is a, a way to do this. There's a way that we're invited into. Uh, one of the words that just jumped off of the page for me as I read this is in verse 23. The master told his servants, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. We see Jesus' heart's, <laughs> heart in this. He wants everyone to know him. And for those of us that know him, we were those. And now we know him. And now he says, I want, I want you to join with me in what I'm doing in this world. And so come with me and assess those things that might get in the way of coming and going with me and being about what I'm about in this world. One of the ways that we talk about our vision as a church is that we, as Mosaic, are compelled by the love of Jesus to live distinctly different lives. Jesus isn't compelling them with great food or, or gets to see the best house. He's compelling them with, with love. This is who I am and this is my heart. Will you come with me? I want the best for you. I value you. 
I love you. And would we be transformed by that and then join him in what he cares about? In this next season, we have a unique opportunity as a, as a church to do this. And again, it's not necessarily simple or quick and, and easy, but it is a, an invitation into how do we make our, our hearts available to God to say, where are they disordered and where can he put them back in order? We've been talking about this for a number of weeks, but we're entering a season that is called Lent. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, if you come maybe from a Catholic background or you hear that word and you associate it with Catholicism, that's where its roots are. But what Lent is in a season is it starts with Ash Wednesday and it moves from Ash Wednesday and it counts down the days to Resurrection Sunday or Holy Week, Palm Sunday and then Good Friday and then Resurrection Sunday. And it's a season of preparation to celebrate the hinge point of all of history where Jesus gave his life on a cross for each and every one of us. And we as his followers come together and celebrate that when he rose from the dead on Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday. And so we're going to start with, with Ash Wednesday. That's this Wednesday. Um, I think there's a, uh, yeah, the, the 22nd. So we'll be in this room and taking a time. And what we do on Ash Wednesday is simply acknowledge our, our humanness, that we've been created by God and that we'll live this life and then these bodies will go to dust and then he will resurrect them later on. But we're part of this creation and that we have a creator who loves us dearly. And so we'll start on Ash Wednesday. And then we're gonna do some things throughout Lent. And let me just read this to you. We believe that God is inviting Mosaic community to a renewed surrender with the hope of seeing more of his kingdom come. And Lent gives us a unique opportunity to intentionally step into this. And so during this next 40 days plus Sundays, about 46 days, I think, uh, we're leaning into fresh experience of these four ancient practices. And so um, these four, four ways of experiencing God and inviting God into what drives us, our motives, our desires, our heart. And the first one is, is prayer. So um, one of the ways that we get to do this, because what we're doing with this season is we are both taking time individually and also corporately, and corporately is all of us together. And so one of the things that we are going to do is we're going to leverage our time together on Sunday mornings. I want to invite you to come early. I want to invite you to come at 930 in the morning to this space and to be a part of praying for God's kingdom to come here on earth, here in Portland, here in our hearts, here in our city, here in the Pacific Northwest, here in our world. So I wanna invite you, everyone here is invited to just get up a little bit earlier and come here to this space at 9.30 in the morning and be a part of praying for that. We, uh, the teams that serve normally have been praying at that time. And so again, we just wanna invite everyone to come and to pray in this space. and. Um, and do that together. Another thing that we're doing is just, we'll have a Lent focus through, uh, we've had a, a prayer guide that we've been writing on Monday and uh, goes out in an email early, early, early on Tuesdays. And so we've just set Tuesdays as a day to pray. Uh, and so if you've not been a part of that, I invite you to join and to sign up for that. All of this is gonna be online um, by Tuesday morning. Um, and so we're working on it tomorrow to put it all uh, available. If you're on our weekly, uh, Mosaic weekly email that goes out, um, some of this information was in there uh, last Thursday, um, but it will be all coming out early this, this next week. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we're gonna be doing, so we just went Sunday, Tuesday, Sunday, that's my mess. Sorry, you graciously handled that, but. Um, 
The other thing we're going to be doing on Sunday, so 9.30, gathering here to pray. We're going to start our worship gathering at 10 o'clock. And one of the things we're going to be doing in our worship gathering is praying for Mosaic people who are out on mission in our city. So when I look at this group of people, I know that so many of you are living out lives that are um, nurses, teachers, um, we have retired people, we have students, we have all kinds of people who are out and about in our city. And, and we are still the church when we are out there. We are still God's hands and feet and heart to the people around us. I just had lunch with an amazing woman recently and she works in a rehab center where people who are experienced like a mental break or suicidal ideation come in to the clinic she's not allowed to talk about Jesus she's not allowed to say the name of Jesus she's not allowed to pray with people but can you imagine the power that she is bringing as a Jesus follower when she steps into that space and she internally is able to be praying with Jesus and praying that his kingdom comes to the people that are there that's what we want to do as a community we want to live out in those ways in our city and so in our gathering to Together, we're going to be taking time to just, um, ha we have a list of, of different trades and different um, vocations, different, different things that people do throughout the week, and we are going to pray for them as a community, and then we're going to continue to be praying for them throughout the week. Another way to think about this is that God's, God's placed us as the church in so many different places and so many different relationships around our city, and we just want to be praying for that, that God would do more and more of that and use us where he's placed us. Uh, one of the things that we are very well aware of is that at this part of our city, uh, at this particular neighborhood and this space is one of the places that God has says, I want, I want my light to be seen here. And so we're going we're gonna to step into something new that we've, we've never done this before as a church, but the week of Holy Week which starts with Palm Sunday. I think it's April 2nd, and then uh, Easter Sunday is, is April 9th. We're going to take this week uh, and all seven days and all 24 hours of every day in that week, and somebody in our church is going to be praying in this space. Um, we're going to set aside this room right here and just make that a prayer room. And we're going to set out a schedule, and we're going to fill it up. And in this physical space, um, we are going to cover the entire week with prayer. And we're going to ask God, would you continue to work in and through us? Would you, would you order our disordered hearts? Uh, would you work through us wherever we are around the city, in our homes, in our apartments, in our places of work and vocation and wherever you called us? And would you do something unique in us in this season. And so um, there's going to be more information about uh, how we're doing that and what that will look like. Um, if you are interested in that, will you come find me and just say, hey, I'm interested in being a part of that, not signing up, but in, in part of creating the room and helping to lead that. We're looking for a team that would be, would be a part of that, but a 24-7 prayer room in this space all during Holy Week. One of the things that we're hearing about all, all over for many of us is the word fasting. So if you're reading or looking at magazine covers or seeing Instagram or talking to friends, you've probably heard about fasting. And fasting, um, there's like a whole movement right now of fasting for, for health and, and medical and weight loss purposes. We're talking about fasting and we're talking about fasting as a community. This is actually an ancient practice and it's a way that people have set something aside or picked something up 
so that they can actually have space to curate their hearts to experience the Holy Spirit at work, to have the Holy Spirit exposed to them, the motives and the values, and then to help people align. So be thinking now, because Wednesday launches off, that's right around the corner, but what is something that I can lay down and what is something that I can pick up to experience the Holy Spirit more during this season? And the last two are embodied community of what it means to be physically with other people. And we've got a number of communities that meet around the city and how we'll be utilizing that time together throughout Lent as well. And then the final one is uh, what we're calling confessional communion. Um, when we walk to these tables in our gathered time together, um, what we're stepping into is a, an opportunity to be reminded of the good news of Jesus that Jesus loves each and every one of us, that none of us are outside of his sight lines, that none of us are some kind of a misfit that he doesn't see, but that he sees and knows and loves and has died and risen again for each and every one of us. And we walk forward and reminded that he laid down his life for us, mm -hmm. that he forgives our sin and heals our brokenness. And so when we come forward, we're stepping in and literally tasting a reminder of that story. And so we wanna invite ourselves as we enter into Lent to make that explicit as we talk to Jesus through that and that we confess, Jesus, I need you. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing this because I'm in a room of people that are doing it. I'm not doing this because it's a, a habit or a practice alone, but I'm doing this because I need you. And so that we bring our brokenness and our sin and we leave it here with him on a regular basis. And so confessional communion will be a part of our Lent as well. Jesus considers it mission critical that everyone knows who he is and that he is for them. And we are on mission with him. We are a part of him bringing his kingdom in this world. And there are things that get in the way of that. And it starts internally in our hearts. And so as you come to this table this morning, would you lay down what it is that competes with Jesus being the priority and the king in your life? We're going to continue to sing come to this table when you're ready. Pick up a, a little cup of juice, pick up a little cracker, take it here, walk to the side, pray with others, go back to your seat, however you want to do that. But we're going to enter a time of worship and reflection as we do this. So come to the table and sing.